broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA, uniting sports fans everywhere. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Everything that has transpired since Leah was diagnosed with cancer has really been inspired by God. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds if I continue to walk in faith that I will not be forsaken. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. As a man of faith, man, it's just confirmation for me that, you know, that's what's real. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Really excited to be with you today. We've got a fun show in store. We will be joined by Ryan McGee from ESPN. He's down at Daytona, and we'll get his thoughts on the Daytona 500. We'll talk a little Dale Jr. and college football with him. We'll also hear a little bit about his faith journey. And then also on the show today, one of the big stories this week was Kareem Hunt signing with the Cleveland Browns. And so I'm going to give some thoughts on their decision to bring him into their franchise and and how that relates to our own lives. And then also, coming up, we'll do our segment, I'm Convinced. And I've got some NBA thoughts as we're here at the All-Star break and and want to, to share some opinions on the Lakers during the second half of the season and what I'm convinced of regarding Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. And then also... What about this crazy story about Matt Kuchar, the golfer, and him not giving his caddy enough money? Was he in the right, in the wrong? What do we take away from that story? I'll let you know what I'm convinced of. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can find out more information about our weekday email devotional. You can find out about Unpacking It Ministries, how you can get involved, how you can support us, and be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well. When we come back, it's I'm Convinced right here on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM Channel 211, Dan Patrick Radio. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. Going beyond the field, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. I'm Bryce Johnson. Thanks for joining us on Unpacking It. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can always email me, Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E, at unpackingit.com. Always love to hear from you. You can also follow me on Twitter, Bryce Radio. It's that time of the show where I take a look at the sports world and let you know what I'm convinced of. And since it's NBA All-Star Weekend, let's start in the NBA. Because I'm still convinced if LeBron James is healthy and he wants to do what it takes, the Lakers can move up the Western Conference standings, make the playoffs, and then anything is possible. I know they kind of limped into the All-Star break and 
They haven't been playing as as great as they did earlier in the season. But that's the thing. They did play well early in the season until LeBron got injured. Now, it slowed him down a little bit. It's actually caused him to gain weight, and his conditioning isn't what it needs to be. But I still am convinced that he can get back to playing at a high level. I mean, he's been putting up triple doubles. So, But, but consistently, and then... Now that the trade deadline, the All-Star game, and and the All-Star break will be over, the Lakers can turn their attention to making a run toward the playoffs. And this whole idea that that Luke Walton isn't the right coach and some of these players were going to get traded, I, I think all of that goes away, and LeBron is able to set the tone in that locker room to say, all right, guys, it's go time. Because here's the thing. This happens every single year, it feels like, it, no matter what team LeBron is is on, whether in Miami or in Cleveland, every season right around January and February, everybody jumps off the bandwagon and wonders what is wrong, what's going on. And I'm convinced LeBron actually thrives when people turn on him and and there's controversy or there's just kind of turmoil in in or around the the team and there's a lot of discussion in the media. That just turns that just turns the corner for him in his mind. He flips the switch and and he gets everybody to follow suit. And the key for the Lakers is they have to get the veteran players playing more down the stretch and and really setting the tone. So Tyson Chandler, Rondo, Lance Stevenson, and and of course LeBron. Once those guys really lead the way, I think the other guys will follow. Because if you're Kuzma, if you're Ingram, if you're Lonzo Ball, you want to make the playoffs. Whether you you get traded or whether you're a part of the future in L.A., you want to be a part of a winning team. It's only going to help you as a player to get in, to make a run, and and to play as well as you can down the stretch. So this whole idea that oh they're 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 not on the same page or they're not listening to Luke Walton or you know the the whole potential trade for for Anthony Davis was looming and still kind of continues to loom that that's going to distract them I think they'll move past it I really do the Western Conference is tough but you know who's tougher LeBron James he's the still the best player in the Western Conference and in the league now Kevin Durant's having a great year the, the same guys Harden Paul George Westbrook all these guys are awesome but LeBron in LA it's taken a little time to to kind of adjust. You know, at this point in the year, you, you start to slow down a little bit. I think they'll get rejuvenated, and I'm convinced the Lakers will bounce back. and And so, look out for them. Don't write them off. This isn't over in LA by any means. Don't don't start talking about the lottery with the Lakers. I I think I think LeBron has shown this year after year that when he wants to turn it on, he will. The other big franchise in the NBA has their own controversies surrounding them, and I'm convinced the Celtics are better without Kyrie Irving. I'm convinced in sports and life, we want guys to be a certain type of leader, but that's just not who they really are sometimes because their personality is different. And so this whole concept that Kyrie Irving needs to be the the go-to guy and the alpha male in the, the locker room and the guy that, that the younger players are going to look to, I don't think it's happening in Boston. And I don't think it's going to change. I think the, the, the guys on that roster understand what they can do without Kyrie. 
And so in many ways, what the, the success that they had last year, you know, right there at the end with Cleveland, who was going to go to the NBA Finals, they fall short, and of course LeBron got them over the edge. I think that ends up hurting the team this year because they say, hey, we didn't need Gordon Hayward. We didn't need Kyrie Irving to get to that point. And, and those two guys are used to being the stars. They're used to getting a lot of touches and, and to be the, the, the they, they're used to being the leaders on their team. But Jason Tatum, he's a go-to guy. And, and Jalen Brown and, and Rozier and all these guys play well together. They feed off of each other. And Kyrie Irving is trying to be this kind of leader to try to be, you know, whatever he thinks in his mind of the type of player he, he just desires to be. I don't think it's playing out. I really don't. And, and I, I, I follow Duke basketball. Kyrie Irving spent a, a season there but barely played. He came back for the tournament run and totally messed up the chemistry on Duke. And ever since then, I've always been concerned with what he does when he steps out onto the court that he messes up the flow of a team. He messes up the chemistry. And, and so as good of a player as he is, and he's a clutch player. He can hit some, some shots down the stretch. There's no question about it. And he won a championship with LeBron. I just don't think he's the guy that can be the number one on a team and, and that guys really respond to him the way that he wishes they would. And, and I think the Celtics need to move on from him. I think they will move on from him. I think they've got such a great young core. Why mess that up? And I think if they, if they had the ability to get Anthony Davis without giving up Jason Tatum, then that would be a, a great move for them. I think that'll be tough for them to pull off. But I, I, even, I don't even think Kyrie and Anthony Davis makes the best option. If I'm the Celtics, I'd rather go out and get another you know, player that you can spend money on versus spending that money on Kyrie Irving. I, there are just certain types of guys, the Carmelo Anthonys, the Dwight Howards, and I'm afraid that Kyrie Irving is falling into that. And you just have to embrace that as a Boston Celtic fan, that, that it's just not the right fit. And so that's my thought on, on the Celtics. And, and I think that they can make another run. I just think if Kyrie's out there, it makes it a lot tougher. All right, number three, I'm convinced Matt Kuchar should have agreed to pay his caddy more money. But the criticism has gone way too far. So you probably heard this story by now. Everybody's been ripping on, on Matt Kuchar who we thought was a very likable golfer. And now everybody's writing him off as, as selfish, greedy, not generous, all those sort of things. But here's the key for me. According to Kuchar, they had an agreement that his caddy Ortiz would have been paid $1,000 if he missed the cut, $2,000 if he made the cut, and 3000 if he finished top 20, and 4000 if he finished top 10. Now, Matt Kuchar won the golf tournament back in November, but now this story has gotten legs because it got out that, that Ortiz was only paid $5,000. But that's what they agreed on. I know that Matt Kuchar made over a million dollars, and sure, he could have given Ortiz more, and it would have been nice, and it would have been generous, but for whatever reason, this was the agreed-upon amount. And Kuchar paid him that. And actually, it was an extra 1000 And I know Kuchar has now apologized and he's paying him the 50000 But will that be enough? Will this make people happy at this point? The problem is we like to move the line a little bit, don't we? 
And and this happens when it comes to to tipping. I I find this all the time when I go out to eat. It's like what 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 is the number anymore? Is it ten percent, twenty percent? Is it do we do we give to the the person at the counter when we just order? Or or what about delivery orders? Is it always twenty percent when I go and get a haircut? I pay a certain amount and then I need to tip as well. Now listen, I love being generous. I love to give, but I want to know what, what what the obligation is. What are we agreeing to? If you if you shave my neck, is it more money or is it included in the fee? I, I don't know, but it's just funny to me that that the, the caddy agreed on the amount and then later he wants more. I like generosity. I wish that Kucher would have agreed to give him more, but he gave him what he agreed to. What do you think about this? Let me know. Bryce at unpackingit.com. When we come back, we'll be joined by Ryan McGee right here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And we're back here on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson, talking sports, faith, and life. And and I love the NFL season. I love college football. And and I thought the the AAF debut last weekend was was intriguing. But honestly, I'm not looking for more football. Because this time of year, I enjoy watching basketball. The NBA All-Star Weekend. College basketball is heating up. Golf is starting. And... NASCAR is back, and the Daytona 500, of course, is the the big race, and so I'm excited about our guest today. We're going to talk racing, and and we'll talk a little college football with him as well. And joining us now is Ryan McGee, senior writer for ESPN, co-host of Marty and McGee on ESPN Radio, and co-author of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s book, Racing to the Finish which is a New York Times bestseller. Ryan has won multiple sports Emmys, written multiple books, and covers NASCAR and college football. He joins us from Daytona to talk faith, sports, and life. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm always good when I'm, I'm standing at the uh, World Center of Racing and I'm watching race cars go around the racetrack. And I'm, uh, I was figuring it out when I was driving up here from the Orlando airport, this is my 24th wow. Daytona Speed Weeks, which which either means that um, well, I know what it does. It means I'm old, but the <laughs> uh, but but I'm also fortunate that uh, they keep paying me to come down here, so I'm going to keep showing up as long as they keep telling me to show up. Man, that's awesome. So so as a media member, what is the week like, and and what do you look forward to the most each year? Well, you know, it's funny because it's, it's changed over the years. When I first started coming down here, you know, they would run the Rolex 24-hour race, the, the sports car race, the two weekends before the 500. So you would come down for the Rolex 24 hours and just stay. Mm. And so I would be down here for two and a half weeks in February and usually would have just been here for a week and a half in January for, for NASCAR testing. And so now it kind of feels abbreviated, to be honest with you. We get down here, uh, you know, for me, I, I wasn't here for the butt shootout the first weekend, but I got down here on a Wednesday afternoon for media day, and we'll, we'll be here through the through the Daytona 500 on Sunday. But it just feels good. You know, it's like a homecoming. It feels familiar. You know, you, you come in, and when I come through that tunnel, uh, I still get the same feeling that I got when I was a 20-nothing-year-old you know, production <laughs> assistant at ESPN. And so it's, um, you know, it's one of the, one of the happiest place on earth 
is wow. this on the grid uh, prior to the green flag of the Daytona 500, and uh, it's it's um I, I never want to not be there. That's cool. So so why do you think that is? What what makes it so special? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, it's the Great American Race. Um, you know, I love the fact that it's the first race of the year because the points don't matter. Mm. Everybody just wants to win this race. And, you know, like Kyle Busch is down here and has done all this remarkable stuff in his career and has won 50 cup races and almost 200 NASCAR, you know, uh, national races and won a championship. But he still feels like there's a huge hole in his resume because he never won the Daytona 500. And you think about the pressure we used to put on Dale Earnhardt and Buddy Baker and Daryl Waltrip and, and Rusty Wallace and the guys that, that hadn't won it with these mm-hmm. Hall of Fame careers. And, and then some did and some didn't. And so it's just it's just a good feeling, man. And the season's getting started and everybody's uniforms are brand new and clean, right? <laughs> and, uh, and and nobody's sick yet and nobody's mad at anybody yet. And it's just, uh, it's just a good feeling being out there. And you, usually the weather's perfect, so we're excited. Oh, that's awesome. Ryan McGee, our guest right now on Unpacking It, senior writer for ESPN and, and down there at the Daytona 500. And so for this is your 24th year. I mean, it, it's crazy to be down there that many times and, and to see the sport go through, you know, ups and downs. And so as you look at this year, the, the start of the, the NASCAR season, how, how does it compare to, I don't know, maybe five years ago or 10 years ago, just just kind of the the overall state of NASCAR at the start of the season. Well, the, the sport is facing a lot of challenges right now, and that's no secret. And it, you know, attendance is not what it was, and TV ratings are not what they were. Now, for the Daytona 500, it's fine, um, but but that's kind of like the Kentucky Derby, right? Mm. You can't really gauge the um, the health of, of horse racing just based on their biggest day, and I feel like that with NASCAR too. So there are challenges, and I think that the biggest challenge for that sport. Is kind of breaking old habit, you know. It, you don't have to run 30-plus races a year just because you've always done it like that. And you don't have to go to certain racetracks twice a year just because you've always done it like that. And so I think there are uh, new leaders in place and people that are going to be willing to kind of take bigger swings at stuff like, you know, weeknight primetime races, um, you know, in the summertime. And uh, maybe not going back to some of the old tracks twice a year. And you know, you don't have to be there for three days every weekend, you know, qualifying uh, happy hour Saturday and a race on Sunday. Every race doesn't have to be have a 400 or a 500 out of 10. It could be a 300-mile race. So I think there's there's things that NASCAR is looking at, and I think they're actually going to do it. You know, they've thought about those things over the years. And so, you know, listen, my daughter's 14, hmm. and I can't get her to sit through a movie that lasts an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> She's stirring will sit and watch every cup race last three and a half hours. And the season starts at Valentine's Day and ends at Thanksgiving. So um, if you want millennials to watch, you've got to uh, cater to them a little bit. But you also can't abandon your old school audience. So I think there's a lot of thought going into that now. And I don't think that was the case five, six years ago. Interesting. Great perspective from Ryan McGee here on Unpacking It. And and then, of course, just as we look across all of sports, we, we know that it's so many leagues and sports are driven by stars and and of course nascar is that way and, and always has been and so who are kind of the the, the top three that, that come to mind that you think can really you know draw in even some of the the fringe nascar fans just because of the types of personality that that they have that that can you know just be contagious to to the average fan well listen i say this all the time that that you people need to take a moment and appreciate jimmy johnson 
Oh, yeah. Um, he might be the best ever. Yep. And he's won seven championships, and, and he's done it. They've changed the, the playoff format on him multiple times. They've changed the cars on him almost every other year. Um, you know, when he started his career, he was on the racetrack with Mark Martin and Rusty Wallace and those guys. And now he's racing against a bunch of millennials. I mean, he <laughs> has a he has a classic Hall of Fame career. And, and the numbers that he's put up and has continued to put up uh, at a time when the sport has its greatest parity in the, in the history of stock car racing is phenomenal. And I was chatting with him just a little bit ago. He's not done. Mm. You know, I still think he's got at least a couple of seasons left. He wants that eighth championship. So there's one. Yep. Um, and number two, listen, every, everybody needs a Darth Vader, right? I'm a big Star Wars guy. you got to have a Darth <laughs> Vader. And Kyle Busch is Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. And, oh, by the way, he's also won 50 cup races. Oof. And, and uh, you know, I mentioned a minute ago, he's between, you know, the top three national series. He's won almost 200 races. And so, you know, whether you love him or you hate him, and I don't think he's the jerk that he was 10 years ago that everybody remembers. True. Uh, you know, appreciate him. And then the third group, I'll give you, I would match these guys together, and you know, give me Chase Elliott, Bill Elliott's son, you know, uh, give me uh, Ryan Blaney, part of the great Blaney bloodline of, of sprint cars, and again, I got a four ten year old daughter, she don't care a thing about any of this unless those young guys are on television. That's right. And suddenly, you know, those those are those dudes are they're hilarious and they're fun, and oh by the way, they're really really good. And so, to me, this is the best group of young, talented drivers we've had come up all at once, as long as I've been covering the sport for almost 25 years now. Man. So, yeah, Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, and then, you know, give me any of those millennial guys. And I think, uh, I think that you can, if you can't find someone to root for or boo out of that group, <laughs> then uh, I probably don't have anything for you. That's right. That's good stuff. Ryan McGee from ESPN, our guest right now on Unpacking It. He covers uh, NASCAR as well as college football. And and last year, the, the, the book was released and, and still on, on the New York Times bestsellers. It's, it's a, a co-authored book with Dale Earnhardt Jr. called Racing to the Finish. And and so Ryan, what what aspect of Dale's story did you enjoy writing about the most? To me, it was just his honesty. You know, I was just chatting with Brad Keselowski about this just a very few minutes ago before I called you. And, and the um, you know he and Brad have been friends forever. And and Brad actually was a huge help on the book, helped me fill some holes of some moments that you know I always say the guys who make the history do a terrible job of remembering it. And so, uh, especially the guys that had concussions, right? And so Brad yeah. helped me out a lot, you know, because they're such good friends and he was there for a lot of the, of the important moments. But for me, it was Dale's honesty and, and his sincerity. When he first approached me about doing this almost exactly a year ago, so just prior to Speed Weeks of 2018, and what he said to me was, he said, the reason I want to do this book is to help people who are silently suffering like I was and let them know they can get help. Mm. And I'll be honest with you, you know, my cynical sports writer side was kind of like, okay, man, you all, but you also want to sell some books and make some money. Yep. And the reality is he was never going to make money off this. Mm. It makes a little, but, but certainly in, in the Dale Jr. world, it's not that much. Mm. You know, he, his, his mission was very sincere. And the more that we talked and the more that we worked on it, the more verification that I, I received that he was indeed really wanting to help. And if you follow him on social media, you see on an almost daily basis, uh, people are reaching out to him saying, I just read the book. You've helped me. Or I've just read the book. I think I'm suffering too. Could you help me? And he immediately gets in touch with him and says, here's my doctor's name. Here's his cell phone number. Call him. Mm. 
Mm. And, um, and, and, and this goes on on a daily basis. And so to me, that's been the, the, the most gratifying part of it is, uh, the fact that I love the fact that the book is selling selfishly because I love the fact that our book is selling. But the most important reason is because I know it's just reaching that many people and uh, and it does on a daily basis. And, and it means a lot to him and, and in turn means a lot to me. The book is called Racing to the Finish, uh, co-authored with uh, Ryan McGee and Dale Earnhardt Jr. But right now we need to take a quick break, but we're just getting started with Ryan McGee. We got plenty more to get to, and we got to hear more about his story and his faith journey. It's all coming up right here on Unpacking It. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Bryce Radio. Stick around in just a little bit. I'm going to share my thoughts on the Kareem Hunt signing. Thanks so much for being with us. Sharing the personal side of sports. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and really appreciate you listening to the Unpacking It radio show each week. But I want to invite you to check out our website, unpackingit.com, so that you can sign up to receive Unpacking It each day in your email. That's right. We send out an encouraging, challenging, inspiring word uh, through email. It's, it's in written form. It's a, a devotional that takes a current sports story, relates it to the Bible. We call it Unpack This. And you can subscribe for free by going to unpackingit.com. It's designed to help you grow in your faith and, and help you understand the Bible better, all with a little sports and some of the cool stories going on in the world of sports. And so we encourage you to check it out. It's for you, and it's about two minutes each weekday in your inbox. Check it out, unpackingit.com, and subscribe to Unpack This. And while you're at it, be sure to subscribe to our podcast as well. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. I'm Bryce Johnson. Great to be with you here on Unpacking It. Check out our website, unpackingit.com. We're in the middle of a conversation with Ryan McGee. You know him from ESPN, ESPN the Magazine, ESPN.com, ESPN Radio, ESPN TV, SEC Network. He covers NASCAR, college football, and has been in the business since 1994. And so really glad to have him on the show today, especially with the Daytona 500 taking place. And so let's continue with Ryan McGee right now. And, and Ryan, last question on the book. It's not only geared toward those that are, are suffering with, with concussions. And so how does that, that translate to, to other areas as far as just offering hope and encouragement to, to, to readers that, that hear Dale's story and, and how he you know, battled and, and, and you know, has gone through a, a lot throughout his journey? Yeah, and, and, and I think it's... The, the beauty of Dale Jr. has always been that he's been so relatable and ha, honestly has every reason in the world to not be relatable. You know, uh, his dad was as famous as you can get. Um, this is, you know, Dale Jr. has starred in music videos with Jay-Z and Beyonce. You know, um, you know he, he, is, he is running in social circles. And it's funny when you're eating lunch with him, his phone will ring and you'll look over his cell phone and it'll be a phone call from, you know, a movie star or a rock star <laughs> or whatever. He doesn't think anything of it. 
but that's the beauty of him is that he treats uh, the construction worker that comes to him and says, I think I suffered a concussion at work the exact same way that he would handle a call from Jay-Z. Hmm. He just it's a good guy. And so I think that you know, there's also an invincibility to race car drivers, particularly if the last name is Earnhardt. And for him to be that vulnerable, and he hates that word, but that's what he was. And for him to, to, to just lay it out there and let people know that, hey, if this guy, who is literally a death-defying stuntman, if he suffers and then, then and, and, and had knew he had to get help, then that's what I need to do. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, that's the part of it that, that I think uh, he, he understands his impact on people. And he's never taken that for granted, even at the height of his, of his popularity and the height of his wealth. And, um, and that's what makes him Dale Jr. And that's why a lot of other guys were never going to be that. That's cool. He, he connects and resonates. There, there's no question about it. The book is called Racing to the Finish, uh, co-authored with uh, Ryan McGee and Dale Earnhardt Jr. And uh, so definitely check that out. So we're joined right now by Ryan McGee. It works at, at ESPN, and you can see him uh, on TV and uh, hear him on the radio and, and read his work covering NASCAR and college football. And, and so you started at ESPN in 1994, and you've had this great long career in the media business and, and all these kind of different uh, platforms that you're a part of. Why did you end up landing on NASCAR and college football as your, your kind of two main sports that you focus on? Well, I grew up in a college football house. Um, my father was a, a college football official. Um, and the ACC and the Big East for almost 40 years. And when I was a little guy, my dad was a, an official in small colleges throughout the Carolinas. And then as I was a teenager, he started working, you know, in the ACC and Clemson, South Carolina, and the Rose Bowl and the Orange Bowl. And so I grew up in a college football house. And my, my father, his day job, he was a college administrator. So I grew up on college campuses. So that was really my background. You know, I was – I had my first sideline credentials for a college football game when I was 13. Wow. Uh, had a had a camera that Santa Claus had brought me and was taking <laughs> pictures on the sideline. It was North Carolina, Virginia, uh, in November 90, of, of 83. And then um, I uh, was keeping statistics for the Furman University radio network when I was in high school. And so as long as, as, as I can remember, I've been going to stadiums and, and, and going to college football games. Well, then – I started at ESPN right out of college, um, and uh, it was a much smaller company then. And there were only really two Southerners hmm. at ESPN in 1994, me and Reese Davis. Wow, okay. And, uh, and yeah, and Reese, of course, everybody knows, is a host of College Game Day. Oh, yeah. And uh, we, he's from Alabama, and he doesn't really sound Southern unless you get him one-on-one, <laughs> but I sound Southern. And so when I, when I started at ESPN – uh, the first week I was on the job as a production assistant, Jeff Gordon won the first Brickyard 400. Mm. So NASCAR became a really big deal very quickly uh, when it came to Sports Center and, and other shows at ESPN. And I was the only Southerner in the company. And I was born in Rockingham, North Carolina. So as far as they were concerned, I might as well have been Richard Petty. I, I don't think I ever knew as much about NASCAR as they thought I did, mm. but I certainly knew more than they knew. And so we started a nightly show the following year called RPM Tonight, mm, which yeah. was a, a nightly motorsports show on ESPN2. And uh, and I just kind of went from there. And, and re, in fact, Reese Davis and I both worked on RPM Tonight. And we both said, one day we'll work on college football too. 
and uh, and now we we both work on college football. Gosh, that's a great story. I love it. Ryan McGee joining us here on Unpacking It. And it's a Ryan here on the show. We, we love talking sports and, and life and, and faith as well. And and so the, the two sports you cover, college football and, and NASCAR, I mean, those are two of the most, I don't know, common sports where, where faith really seems to play uh, an outspoken role in the lives of a lot of the people involved. And And so... From your perspective, being around both, what what have you noticed about that? What what do you see as far as even kind of why that is the case? Well, I think that a lot of it is the fact that um, that everybody's faith is kind of out in the open in both of those worlds, you know, and and it's not necessarily the case in other industries and even in other sports. And uh, and 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 quite honestly, you can be open about it and uh, not have to defend yourself very much. Mm. And, and so what I, what I find is, like in the case of Adele Hart Jr., in, in our book, Racing to the Finish, that, that's on a Christian, uh, that's with a Christian publishing company, W Publishing. And uh, and we, uh, you, in order to endure what Adele Hart Jr. has in his life, whether it's the death of his father or whether it's a very difficult childhood or whether it's dealing with concussions, you know, you have to have an anchor. Mm. You just do. And I think in college football, particularly or any brand of football, particularly these days, when, again, we're talking about concussions and we're talking about injuries and all that, you you have to have an anchor. And so you can have that through your faith. And for me, I mentioned my father was, was a college administrator. You know, I grew up on faith-based campuses as a kid. And so, um, you know, and, and as a result, you know, you joined the FCA, Fellowship Credentialities, because that's just what you did, mm. you know? And I'm so glad I grew up in that world. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, listen, life is hard enough. And uh, whether you're a professional athlete or whether you're just a dude like me, and, uh, and, and there, the, time, the tough times are going to come. And if you don't have that anchor, I'm not entirely sure how you're going to get through those tough times. And a lot of people have tried a lot of different ways, and, and nobody's shown me a better one yet than, uh, than, than being anchored to your faith. Amen. Wow, that's awesome. Good stuff from Ryan McGee. And then, so then for you personally, as you look back on, on your life and some of the, the challenges that, that you faced personally, what has that looked like for you to really rely on the Lord? And, and, and how has your faith grown during some of those, those tough times? It's the lonely moments, right? And you don't want to just automatically just run to the worst moments of your life. But the reality is that when things are going great, um, your faith sometimes is just in the background. Mm. And then there are things that wake you up to that. And there's things that make you, you know, run back to that anchor. And there's many things that remind you that there are bigger forces at work out there than just you or just your family or just your problems. And for me, I think about the unexpected death of my mother. I think about when I went off to college and I went to University of Tennessee and there's 40,000 students and I knew no one. Mm. And I think about when I moved to Connecticut and knew no one. And and there's just those moments where you think you're alone and then you realize that you aren't. And uh, and then the, the next part of that is, is kind of not unlike what Dale Jr. is doing, which is just letting other people know, um, no, you're not alone. And no, it, it, it's okay to get help. And it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to look for answers uh, in, in places other than maybe what the people are telling you or where they're telling you to look. And so – for me, that's, it's been like that my whole life, that right about the time I start thinking uh, I got this figured out on my own, 
uh, something usually comes along pretty quick to remind me that I don't. And, and then I remember uh, what's been there my whole life, and that's what that faith is. Ryan McGee with us here on Unpacking It, talking sports, faith, and life. And and so, Ryan, you, you mentioned your, your 14-year-old daughter. What has, has that been like being a, a father, and, and what role does – does your faith in, in God play in how you've raised her and, and, and have tried to be an example to her? Well, you, you talk about uh, getting your priorities reset, and you talk about thinking that you're it, and, and you think that the world revolves around you. That changes the second they put that baby in your hands. Mm. And, uh, and it certainly changed for me You know, that morning. Uh, 14 years ago, I still think about it. And, and my father told me that y- you're going to change instantly when you realize that your entire world, that the axis of your world just changed. And I'm like, okay, old man, whatever. <laughs> and it's exactly what happened. And so, you know, so what, what, what we talked to my daughter about is exactly what I'm talking about, which is just understanding that even when you feel like you're alone, and even when you think you are, and even when other people make you think that you are, the reality is that you aren't, mm. and and at its at its most boiled down, basic, bare bones minimum, to me that's that's faith, which is just knowing that it's there, you know, and and, and you don't need proof, right? And, and you don't need somebody to, to to do this or do that or say this or say that. Uh, when you just know that it's there, to me that's the definition of faith, and that's what we we preach her all the time, and. And if that's always there for you, then being kind to other people comes pretty easy, you know? That's right. Uh, even when maybe they are so kind to you. That's good. Man, strong stuff from Ryan McGee here on Unpacking It. And, and Ryan, I, I've got one final question for you, and we'll, we'll get kind of go toward college football a little bit because I'm fascinated by it and, and someone that, like you who covers it closely are are you a fan of the the new transfer rules where where guys can gain immediate eligibility and and now they they no longer have to seek permission to transfer? What what do you make of all this? I've got no problem with giving a little power back to the kid. Yeah, you know, and 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 I think that these coaches that make all this money and they have all the power and have forever. The only reason, and and, and don't don't let anyone tell you differently. The coaches write these rules. The coaches sit in a room, whether it's targeting or whether it's transfer rules, the coaches are the ones that sit in a room and start the conversations and write the initial draft of the rules that become the law and uh, in the game. And and they just didn't see this coming. <laughs> and, and I have no problem with it because most of them are making plenty of money and they have all the power in the world. And uh, and I've got – what I, I don't – I'm not one of these – the players should be paid, guys. But I'm all about giving them as much power as you can. And uh, and to me, giving those kids the power to be in charge of their own fate, uh, I got no issue with that at all. Man, I'm right there with you. I, I love it, and uh, it adds even more intrigue uh, to the off season and 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 just to to see where these guys end up. So, Ryan, man, really appreciate you joining us today on Unpacking It, and appreciate you sharing. So a little bit about your your journey and, and your perspective, and I know it's a, a busy week down in Daytona, and so hope you enjoy the race and, and have a blast and, and would love to catch up with you again soon. Hey, I appreciate it. You call me anytime. Awesome. Thanks so much. There's Ryan McGee from ESPN joining us here on Unpacking It. Up next, we'll do our segment, Unpack This, about Kareem Hunt signing in Cleveland. It's next. 
inspiring conversations, and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. It's our final segment of the day here on Unpacking It. We call it Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So here we go. Running back Kareem Hunt was released by the Kansas City Chiefs this past November after a video leaked showing him shove and kick a woman in a hotel hallway. This week, the Cleveland Browns announced they are signing Hunt to a one-year contract. This signing creates a plethora of conversations and concerns. Believing that Hunt should lose his right to play in the NFL again is understandable when considering his unacceptable behavior. Domestic violence is terrible, and it's reasonable to wonder why a team would want players with this kind of history on their roster. Many are wondering how the Browns can look past Hunt's transgressions and welcome him into their franchise. But when unpacking this today, I'm hoping we can also see how it paints a picture of what grace is all about. Grace is simple, yet complicated, and we struggle with its concept. We hear stories of atrocious acts by people, and we don't think they deserve a second chance. Then, at the same time, we look at our own mistakes and poor choices and desire grace and another chance, usually using a sliding scale in our favor. We tell ourselves, we're not that bad. Thankfully, though, God is the ultimate judge, and he is filled with love and grace and doesn't operate on a sliding scale. God is rich in mercy and offers us what we don't deserve. He offers us second chances and forgiveness in Jesus. The Bible says God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's word gives us the assurance that he looks past our transgressions and welcomes us into his family. Today, let's not forget how incredible grace is and that God makes it available to all of us sinners. Let's be challenged to turn away from sin as we embrace the grace we've been shown and let's willingly extend it toward others. So I hope you're willing to unpack that. Thank you so much for joining me today and I hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson and I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA and Sirius XM Channel 211, Dan Patrick Radio.